0: Hold the thought so we're talking today about the fruit of the spirit love what is love real love proper love deep love what is it is it falling in love has anybody here falling in love you know you've got goose pimples you can't eat you can't sleep all you can think about is the, this thing none of the married couples interesting <laughs> they've never done that Interesting. Well, I remember the first time I fell in love. I was five years of age, and if we could have the slide, this lady just burst into my life. So, I was at the Merthyr Tidville Drive-in. Has anybody been there? It's dreadful place. Dreadful. But anyway, we can't. Say. I was at the Merthyr Tidville Drive-in. I was five years of age. It was one of the first films I saw. My mother was shocked, by the way, being quite a proper Christian. So I was besotted with this thing. What do you think? Boy, could she dance. But what I couldn't understand, and this is the honest truth, five looking, all of a sudden at the end of the film, they got rid of her and brought this thing on, this harpy. So I'm saying, what's happened here? There was that beautiful girl called Sandy. She's been throughout the whole film and now he's kind of fed up and they brought this thing on. I was heartbroken. I cried and cried for at least five seconds. That's how much I was in love. And I thought, she's not so bad, is she? You know, her trousers were a bit tight, and I thought, that's got to hurt. But there was something about her, a a little bit more, perhaps more adventurous. And I thought, well, let's see where this thing goes. Is that love? Is that love? Because we can do that with a phone now, can't we? It's called Tinder, isn't it? We can find our true love, can't we? Nope, nope, ugly, horrible, boring, oh, don't like the look of you. Love, you got it everything. We objectify everybody, don't we? Is that love? Okay, what is love? Going off peace down per usual. Shout some things out. What do you think love is? Kindness. Kindness. Honesty. Patience. Forgiveness. Sacrificial. Sacrificial. Devotion. Precious. Precious. You first. first. This is ruining my sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep going. Nothing else. Died on the cross. The The one thing it is coming from this, it's pretty big. It's pretty diverse. So I remember going to my dogmatics and all my books to look at what love is. And you know what I found? Not much. I was really quite staggered. We talk about love a lot, but when I went into the deep tomes on dogmatics, love was pretty sparse. In fact, in my Bible dictionary, there's more on ancient techniques of fermentation than there is on love. Why is that? Well, I think it's because you can really get hold of ancient techniques of fermentation, can't you? It's kind of bounded and small, yeah? You take something, leave it, and it kind of bubbles up and turns bad. But what is love? So the first important point, I think, when we come to think about love is love is almost some kind of... To really know love, you've got to experience it. To really know love, it's something you actually have to step into. To really know love, it's something you just have to do. So teaching, I can talk about love right now. Are you going to go from here? filled with love. Perhaps not, you'll just have a little bit more information. And that's when I thought about teaching. What is teaching supposed to do? Is it to give you information on you know, ancient techniques of fermentation and how to date things with pottery? Is that what teaching is about? I don't think it is. I think teaching is a signpost. A signpost to enable people. I always point at you, don't I? I don't know why. <laughs> teaching is a signpost. That I trust, if we follow it, will change our lives dramatically. That's what it's a portal into a new way of life and a new way of being. So let me go to my first verse. Flick on two. This is the Shema. Let's read together. Sons and daughters of God, give me your attention. The Lord your God is one, and you are to love God. Love him with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. For whoever pursues love finds life, and love never fails. This, I think the batteries are going. This scripture is the foundation almost of the Jewish faith. It's called the Shema. Has anybody ever heard of it? Every single day they pray it every single day it's supposed to seep right into their very consciousness this is what it's all about and the first thing it says is this the Lord your God is one do you mind if we go a little bit deep this morning so perhaps we don't understand it and you might switch off a bit but I want us to try and go a little bit deep because this is really quite important what do you think it means when it says the Lord your God is one any ideas apart from you two <laughs> I'm teasing. I know you'll know. Any ideas? Well, in the ancient world, there were lots of gods and lots of origins. Lots and lots of gods, controlling all sorts of different parts of everybody's life. Some would control fertility. So if you wanted to have a child, you'd go and do some sacrifice somewhere to get pregnant. Some would control another part of your life and another part of your life and and these were all sovereign. And they were all in competition with each other, and it was all pretty nasty. So along comes a statement which says, no, the Lord your God is one. There's only one God. And what they were saying, there's only one origin to everything. There's only one origin to the world, and it's this one thing. And what we find about this God, which is staggering, is this God is love. This God is love, which is really quite a profound statement. Because normally we talk about things. We talk about things having properties and characteristics, don't we? So My name is Gareth Jones. I have a name. I'm 46 years of age. Um, I'm 11 and a half stone, and I'm absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> These are all objective facts, <laughs> things you can't argue with. But nobody would say, oh, that Gareth Jones, he is beauty itself, isn't he? He's beauty. Not even my mother would say that, would she? Because that's how, somehow to bestow me with characteristics will somehow shape everything else. So where do you get your beauty from, Tarzan? Well, you get it from me, don't you? Because I am beauty. Any beauty it comes from me. Do you understand? Because I am beauty. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it. Now, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Now, that's kind of profound. Because you know what it says? The origin of this world, the origin of everything, the the drive, the motive for everything is not competition. It's not enmity. It's not greed. It's not survival of the fittest. Sorry to the Darwinian people amongst us. The meaning of life is not survival of the fittest. It's not me to try and climb above you and be dominant and superior. That's not the origin of life. That's not the meaning of life. That's not the motive of the existence of the very world. The existence is love. Are we, kind of, are we plumbing the depths here? Are we feeling it? Because it's something that has to be felt. So come over to the next slide. And it kind of says the root motive and direction for you, me, and the entire you. The root motive is love. It's not greed. So it causes everybody, love is tough. Love is powerful. So this causes us now to think, what is the root motive of my life? What is it? Is it to have a nice home? Decent pension, I'd like one. If anybody wants to give me a pension, I'll take one. Is it to somehow be significant? So we live and our motive is, I'd like to be something special. So I'm gonna strive to be something special. So I'm, I'm above you plebs, you understand? What is the, demor- the motive? And the whole thing, the motive, is love. So what is love? What is it? I can't tell you really what is too big, as you well know. So I'm going to pick three things that I think lie somewhere at the root of love. Because love is almost like it's trying to describe God himself, isn't it? It is so deep. It is so incredible. This powerful force. So I'm going to give you three things. So let's go to my next slide here. Listen to this. When Israel was a child, I loved them. And out of Egypt. Has my voice gone funny? This, this, This thing here. What can we do? So much. I would have just stood here for a couple of hours, <laughs> like this. So let's read it. When Israel was a child, I loved them. and out of Egypt, out of slavery, I called my children. Yet the more I called them, the more they went from me. Sounds like kids. Yet it was I who taught them to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was like to them those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. Love, the Father's love, is all about somebody else. It's not about him. And it's a love that stoops down to pick up, to nurture as a father does to a child, so that you can flourish and find life. It wants to nurture, it wants to protect, it wants to unfold every single thing about you so that you can find life, and you, and you. That is the motive of God. And we find this motive right at the beginning of the creation story. Well, I flick to Jesus first. Do you remember Jesus looking over Jerusalem, crying with tears in his eyes, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you would only come to me, I would gather you in as a hen gathers in her chicks. We see in Genesis one where you've got chaos and then what's hovering over the face of the waters is the spirit of God. Now they struggle to translate it and some of the older translations are this, and the, the spirit of God brooded like a hen over the face of the waters. So what God wants to come and do through his spirit is to take hold of each and every one of us and nurture us through cords of kindness and love so that we can flourish and find life. That is the root motive of love. Next verse. It seeks to protect. It seeks to nurture. So if you think about it now in our dynamics, The root motive is love, how should we live our lives? When I look at you, what should I see? An object to be controlled, to sell something to? Are you a punter? What are you? You're an object of love that God wants to enrich. And for all of us, look at one another, the good, the bad, the ugly, those you don't quite like right now, those who are really getting on your nerves in particular, That's why I'm looking at all of you. Trying to get you all in. Look at you. And God says, focus your attention on them. And what can you do to nurture and unfold something of God in others, not just yourself? Do you see that in me? Perhaps not. I will come back later to the challenge of that ridiculous call to put other people's needs before yourself. It's littered throughout the Bible. And this is why... We need to focus and be in the spirit. Can you imagine what we'd be like if we sought the interests of others? Second, could you put the next slide up? Listen to this piece of music for a second, if it works. Think of the music. Some of the greatest artists and thinkers I've known, they tried to define music at uh, love as music. J.R. Tolkien, in particular, I don't know if you've read *The Silmarillion*. He said, the or, "It's as though God, to set the origin of the world, created a divine chord of love." And what he does is he calls each And every single one of us as unique individuals to join in and harmonize with that chord of love. Every single one of us. So that all of a sudden, as we all join our song in our lives to that chord of love, you soon end up with a symphony of love. Do you understand now where God is the one, the origin of all things? it calls every single one of us to give what we can to serve and love one another so we can be a symphony of love. And can you see how you start to demonstrate what it means to be a community? Because people are drawn into the divine music of God's incredible, all-moving, all-enriching love. And as we get drawn in, God somehow develops the strongest bonds Of affection that we should have one for another, so that when one part of the body hurts, everything hurts, because we love one another. Does anybody know what film used that theme tune? Can we have the next screen up? Has anybody seen *The Godfather*? He's portrayed as though he is God. You come to him and he will look after you, yeah? You don't, you end up sleeping with the fishes. He calls you to bow to him, to give him your allegiance why he's the Godfather. And my friends, do we speak of God indirectly as though he's this kind of character? Or do we speak as though he's a person that calls us into divine love so everything can be made new? And the reason I say that is when I'm at the football field talking about my faith to the guys on the sideline, when they think of God, they think of him. This kind of divine bully. Give me your love and respect me or something terrible is going to happen to you. That's the image people have of our God. And it cannot be further from the truth. He calls us in to divine bonds of affection. Let me read the next verse. This is our God. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Indeed, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we are but dust. Our God feels. If you're hurting, God feels if you're trodden on God feels and he is filled with compassion for each and every single one of us and through the bonds of the spirit somehow in a hurting world God starts his spirit to forge bonds of affection one for another let me give you an illustration I've been married Heather how long have we been married nearly 15 years and she confessed something to me the other day that now after 15 years whenever I enter a room she no longer goes weak at the knees <laughs> well it was embarrassing I'd go to a restaurant and she oh there he is oh. her to my family oh yeah she's swooning swooning come on get up, get up. embarrassing and in fact now she says she no longer goes weak at the knees somehow her hair stands on end. <laughs> so in a marriage relationship, can you imagine if I took Heather out one night and said, you know, Heather, love, it's not a feeling, it's an act of your will. There's truth, there's a truth in that, but it's a partial truth as well. But there's a strong truth which we'll come to. So you can imagine if I said, to her, Heather, whilst I have absolutely no compassion for you or affection for you, um, because love is an action of the will, Tonight, I am going to hug you and kiss you tenderly because I know you like that sort of thing. Is that love? So when I look at you guys, yeah? You know that love, it's, a, it's an act of the will, isn't it? So whilst I have absolutely no affection for you whatsoever, yeah, I'm going to love you by serving you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The spirit in us somehow miraculously... Produces affection even for the things we don't normally like. And this is why our ministries are so effective. Job club, I'm guessing, it's effective because people know that Gareth actually cares. Does he care? What wins you most, the fact that he works nine to five or the fact that he absolutely cares? He cares, doesn't he? And that's how you sense the love of God he cares for you he has genuine affection if you're if something bad happens he feels it food bank can you imagine our food bank clients coming in and me saying i just want to before we start i have absolutely no affection for you but i want to say that because i love you i'm going to give you a food parcel next doesn't work god must be seen in the bonds of affection tlg what's going to transform a kid it's going to be that they know they're cared. And so guys, the challenge for us to be the community that God really calls us to be is somehow, God, through God's spirit, we really do start to bo- and develop bonds of affection one for another. And it's not always easy, is it? It's not easy for me. i up here who loves everybody and has an incredible sense of affection all the time for everybody because you're just, Anybody? It's not easy sometimes my tank gets low and when the tank is low what happens you start to get a bit of frustration and then from frustration what can happen you perhaps get a bit of anger and then from anger perhaps if you let that fester then you can get a bit of vengeance and it's not a good place to be god is seen in the bonds of affection that we have one for another does that mean we don't do anything because we're not on an emotional high? Absolutely not. Please don't do that. Gareth, if, you f- if your love tank is empty, please still come into work. Promise? With, promise? Good. Louder. everybody. Witnesses. Thank you. Because this is the second, the third aspect of love. God's love is unbreakable and it's unshakable and it never gives up. We have the final. Well, not yet. True love is not a whim. It's not. I'm going to love you today, but you know you've upset me a bit, so that's it. Now I'm off. I don't like your shirt. I've finished, and you don't like mine. Shall we go our separate ways then? How's that sound? Not going to miss you really. Is that what it's all about? Is that what it's all about? Love commits. It commits to the bonds of fellowship, even when things are hard. And seem broken and seem damaged when we have no idea what is going on. Why is it like this? How can people possibly behave like this? Somehow we need a resource beyond our own self to deal with those circumstances because they are painful and they hurt. And this is where we need God's spirit to come and fill us. Let's read from Paul. He said this. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to do what? Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's gone over the top to let you know that there's nothing that's gonna separate you from the love of God because he is so faithful right to the very end. So let me summarise because I want a time of reflection at the end. From my three points could we have my summary. I would say this, love, God's love is rooted in self-giving. Is charged with strong bonds of affection and goodwill. It has the impulse to nurture and protect so that everything, even our enemy, can flourish and find life. And God and his love never gives up. And if you want to see what love is all about, just look at the cross. Did Christ come and die just for himself out of his own self-interest? Do you think he thought that was a good idea? He came for you. And he came for me and he was strung up upon a cruel cross and as he was being crucified by people that hated him, what did he say? Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. I think all of us might agree we might have smote them, called down a legion of angels father forgive them because they know not what they do and why did he do it to make all things new to release you from slavery to fill you with his spirit so that you can become a new creation because God so loved the world he gave his only son and the next question how does that make you feel that summary of love Just look and dwell for, for thirty seconds. Because when I look at it, I feel two things. On the one hand, I feel like shouting, Thank you, God, for what you have done for us and the way you love us. And then on the other hand, I look and I feel um In many ways, I fall short. Is my entire life rooted in self-giving, charged with bonds of affection and goodwill? Is my natural impulse always to nurture and protect so that everything, even my enemy, even the guys who were tearing up the bowling green opposite my house, can flourish and find life? And am I committed to keep going, driven by love and never give up? And this is where we go full circle. Last verse. This now takes us back to the Shema. My friends, this is why we are called to love God with every single thing we have. Because God's promise is this. If he becomes the complete and utter object of our worship, devotion, and affection, we will then start to become like him as he fills us with his spirit, pours his love into us so that we can pour that out into the world. It's the bedrock of our faith. It's an intimate relationship, love relationship with God. That's what it's about. Because we can only have that if God's spirit truly lives within us. So my friends, make him the ultimate object of your life. Allow yourself to be shaped by his love. And then pour it out and watch what happens.